First Baptist Church of Crawfordville has moved their services online for the time being due to the coronavirus, and you can watch and listen to them live on Facebook each Sunday at 11 a.m. And then you can tune in Wave 94 each Sunday at noon to hear the message that was delivered that morning. And now is that time. Please stay tuned for this timely word just delivered moments ago at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. He is risen. He is risen indeed. As Brother Dick Bitten would say, the top of the morning to you on this beautiful Easter Sunday. Now we trust that you're doing well and staying safe as we continue to deal with the coronavirus. The resurrection is proof that Jesus conquered death. If Jesus has defeated death, why are we so anxious about this virus? God is still very much in control. Now I've got Debbie with me this morning so that you don't have to look just at my ugly mug. Debbie, would you like to share a word with the church? You come and do that now. Good morning. I just wanted to reflect on the statement that Dave made earlier about God being in control. I think we would all not be completely telling the truth if we didn't admit that because of COVID-19, the economy, and all the things happening around the world right now, that it's caused us some stress and uneasiness. I know it has for me. I want to read Isaiah 41.10 to remind us how God reassures us during these difficult times. Isaiah says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God's word promises us that he is alive and in control and that we can depend on him and lean on him. We should all be thankful today that we can serve a risen Savior. God is at work in a mighty and powerful way, and we get to be a part of all that he is doing. Unlike many people around the world, we know Christ and we have his spirit living inside of us to comfort us and to provide the peace we so desperately need. Please continue to take time to reach out to those who don't know Christ and to share his love and hope. On Saturday, one of our members, Terry Peacock, shared these words that I believe say what we all are feeling during this time. Terry writes, It has been a strange holy week, and Terry, I could not agree more. She goes on to thank Brother Dave and Travis for their wonderful teaching and Ruby and Lincoln for their beautiful music. Then she shares how much she truly misses her church family. She misses the smiles and the handshakes and hugs and the babies in the nursery and the children, the youth and the college student and our senior adults. Terry, we couldn't agree more and we will keep lifting each other up from afar as we wait for all of us to be together again. Well, I hope you'll take time today to get dressed up in your Sunday best and post a picture of your family on social media for all of us to see. Again, God bless and happy Easter. At this time, Travis will come and read the resurrection account for us from Luke 24. Well, hello, church family. Thank you for joining us via video. I hope that you and your family are doing well. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 24. I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. Again, if you have your Bible, please join with me as I read Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. And it reads this, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found a stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. 
And they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Church family, let me encourage you with this word this morning. Um, even though we're, we're not able to physically meet, there are some truths that we can hold to today. Number one, God has made a way for sinners to be redeemed. And number two, Jesus is still on his throne. We can have encouragement in the light of everything going on right now because of those two truths. So I encourage you today to reflect on those truths. Enjoy the time with your family. I do want to say, Ruby and Lincoln, thank you so much for the concert Friday night. I speak uh, on behalf of everyone. We greatly enjoyed it. And now, once again, I want to turn to you and ask that you would please lead us in worship. Okay. Happy Easter, everybody. Uh, it's so good to see you all this morning. Please join us as we sing and celebrate that our Christ is risen indeed.
Thank you, Ruby and Lincoln. We appreciate your leadership and worship, and I promise not to show anybody the outtakes. Now we have a special treat from Kathy Lawhon. Well, thank you so much, Kathy. Uh, we appreciate your ability on the piano and just sharing that with us. Well, I want to encourage you to get your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to begin reading in, verses, uh, in verse 12 and read through verse 20. So that's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 20. And Paul writes, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has, been, has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins." Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. 
If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. Let's pray. Father, we pray for just your Holy Spirit to be with us as we look into your word, to give us clarity of thought, to give us wisdom and discernment, the knowledge we need to make sense of it all, to understand what is actually taken, has taken place in the resurrection, the good news for us that it brings. So Lord, we depend on you for that and we'll give you praise and glory for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, Paul says that there are six things that would be in shambles if Christ did not rise from the grave. Uh, then verse 20 reverses the whole paragraph. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So let's look at those six things. Number one is in verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. But since Christ has been raised, our preaching is not in vain. Number two, verse 14 and your faith is in vain. But since Christ has been raised, our faith is not in vain. Number three, verse 15, if Christ has not been raised, we are found to be mis misrepresenting God. Literally, we are false witnesses because we testified of God that He raised Christ. But since Christ has been, has been raised, the apostles are not false witnesses about the work of God. Number four, verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. But since Christ has been raised, we are not still in our sins. And number five, verse 18, if Christ has not been raised, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. But since Christ has been raised, the dead in Christ have not perished. And number six, verse 19, if Christ has not been raised, then we are of all men most to be pitied. But since Christ has been raised, we are not to be pitied. But what really made the lights come on for me and what showed me the good news that six of my deepest longings were being met here by the resurrection of Jesus was when I tried to go back and restate each of these six reversals in positive terms. Now, so far we've used negative uh, terms, preaching not in vain, faith not in vain, etc., now we need to see what God has really done for us in raising Jesus from the dead. We see this when we put all those negatives into positives. Now I'm going to switch the order around this time because when the resurrection starts meeting our needs, there is a kind of pattern that fits our experience. I want to follow that pattern as we look at each of our longings being satisfied. Number one, we are forgiven for our sins. First, from verse 17, instead of saying negatively that we are not still in our sins, we can say positively that because of the resurrection, we are forgiven for our sins. Now, I've put this first as the basic need and longing of our hearts. Because if God holds our sins against us and we all have sinned, then there is no hope of anything else from God. The foundation for every other blessing from God is that God will not hold our sins against us. Everything hangs on forgiveness. But how is the resurrection connected to our forgiveness? Isn't it the death of Jesus that takes away our sin because He bore our sins and took our judgment on the cross? Yes, but the connection with the resurrection is very, very important. Paul puts it like this in Romans 4.25. He was handed over to death on account of our transgressions, and He was raised on account of our justification. 
This means that by his death, he paid the penalty for our sins. He purchased our acquittal, our justification, our forgiveness. And since the achievement of the cross was so complete and the work of justification was so decisive, God raised Jesus from the dead to validate our forgiveness. He raised Jesus from the dead to vindicate his son's righteousness and to celebrate the work of justification. He was raised that we might have the fullest assurance that the death of Christ had accomplished the end for which it took place, the forgiveness of sin. Everybody hearing me this morning needs forgiveness. And deep inside, even when we don't think about it, we long for it. We long to be accepted by God. We fear the alienation of our guilt. But Paul says, because Christ rose from the dead, we are no longer in our sins. Now this is the first and most basic longing of our hearts. In Christ, our sins are forgiven. Number two, our faith is well-founded. From verse 14, instead of saying negatively that our faith is not in vain, we can say positively that because of the resurrection, our faith is actually well-founded. Or to put it more personally, because of the resurrection of Jesus, there is someone we can trust absolutely. Now I believe that deep in the heart of every person is a longing for someone that you can count on through thick and thin. Someone who is absolutely trustworthy. Someone who if you put your faith in him, uh, it won't be in vain. He won't let you down. He will always be there. We want it because we were made for it. God put man and woman in the Garden of Eden to glorify God by trusting Him for everything they needed. Now the second most quoted verse in the New Testament from the Old Testament is Habakkuk 2.4. But the righteous will live by faith. God designed us to live and to walk by faith, trusting Him for all of our needs. That design has never changed in spite of our sin. And now that we are no longer in our sins, this longing, too, is satisfied by the resurrection of Jesus. The death of Jesus proves His love for us, and the resurrection proves His power over every enemy of life. And so there is someone you can count on, someone absolutely trustworthy, someone who will never let you down. Jesus is alive to be trusted. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven, and our faith is well founded. Number three, the apostles preach what is true. From verse 15, instead of saying negatively that the apostles are not false witnesses about the work of God, we can say positively that because of the resurrection, the apostles preach what is true. They are not false witnesses about God. They are true witnesses. Now, our young people are being taught, and maybe many of us were taught this as well, that there's no such thing as absolute truth. Something that is true all of the time and everywhere, whether or not people know it or like it. You know, it's a rare teenager today who has the guts and the independence to say, for example, in a high school health class, that premarital sex is wrong. Wrong for everybody, not just those who think it's wrong. Homosexual activity is wrong. Wrong for everybody, and not just for those who think it's wrong. Now, November 11th, 2007 was my first official Sunday here at First Baptist. I did the children's moment that day. I had some tennis balls that I used to make an illustration about math. One plus one equals two. No matter who held the balls or where they were held, it was still true. One plus one equals two. 
Now I told the children to be prepared because there was coming a day when someone was going to try to convince them that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Most of us readily concede the truth of 1 plus 1 equals 2. But what about premarital sex and homosexuality and all the concerns of the LGBTQ community? There are a host of other things that are called into question in the arena of truth. The buzzword for the late 90s was tolerance, particularly when talking about religion. What's true for you may not be for tr true for me and vice versa. Now, without the conviction that there are absolutes that can be shared and made the basis for society, the only end will be anarchy where everybody does what is right in his own eyes. Therefore, the need for truth is a deep need of the human soul and human society. Remember, Jesus came into the world to say, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Later, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he rose from the dead to vindicate his claim. Jesus has a right to tell us what is absolutely true because in the resurrection, God proved him to be absolutely true. Well, number four, our preaching is not in vain. From verse 14, instead of saying negatively that our preaching is in vain, we can say positively that because of the resurrection, our preaching is not in vain. It is full, meaningful, valid, valuable, and significant. Now this is good news for us preachers. What we are called to do is not in vain. The resurrection gives us assurance that the foolishness of the message preached is exactly what God has chosen to save those who believe. But this also has tremendous implications for the hearers as well as the preachers. The preaching of the gospel still saves sinners today. My prayer is that God will use my preaching of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to save lives, even this morning. Many others in our community are preaching the gospel this morning and every other Sunday morning. The resurrection of Jesus validates the significance of that preaching. It is not in vain. Number five, we are to be envied. Not only does the resurrection assure us our sins are forgiven, not only does it give us a well-grounded faith, not only does it confirm what is true, not only does it validate preaching, but it also puts us in a position to be envied. If Christ is not raised, then living for Him, doing what He says, following His will, is nothing but a great delusion. We should be pitied like insane people who live by hallucinations. But since He has been raised and is alive and reigns forever as King, all of our obedience, all our love, all our self-denial is not just not to be pitied, but it is positively enviable. In 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul says, This light, momentary affliction is working for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Suffering for Christ in this world leads to glory in the next. And there is in every one of us the longing that our lives be well spent, that our lives count for something, that they have significance and usefulness, that we don't come to the end of our days and say, It was all in vain, empty, Pointless, useless, insignificant, pitiable. Well, Paul knows this. That's why he ends this whole chapter on the resurrection in verse 58 with the words, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Did you hear that? Not in vain. That's the longing of our lives. Oh Lord, let it not be misspent. Let me not come to my grave and say I've wasted it. It doesn't have to be that way. Christ is risen, 
and everything done in His name, by His strength and for His glory, is not in vain. It is enviable, significant, valuable, and eternal. And number six, those who have fallen asleep are alive. There is this longing that we will live forever in joy, that we will not come to an empty end after a full and valuable life, that we not become a zero, or worse, damned. And so Paul says in verse 18 that because Christ is raised, those who have fallen asleep in Him, those who have died in the faith, they have not perished. Or positively, they are alive. They will live forever. They live the way Christ lives. They will enter into the joy of their Master. In 1 Corinthians 15, 22 and 23, Paul says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, after that those who are Christ's at His coming. Now I want you to listen as Ruby and Lincoln sing, I Will Rise by Chris Tomlin.
Well, the greatest news in all the world is that God raised His Son Jesus from the dead to reign forevermore. In raising Him from the dead, He gave us forgiveness, and He glorified Jesus as the all-sufficient forgiver. He gave us a friend to count on, and He glorified Jesus as utterly reliable. He gave us guidance and unchanging truth, and He glorified Jesus as the absolute foundation for truth and righteousness. He gave us a message that is powerful and that saves, and He glorified Jesus as the basis for that life-transforming message. He gave us a life that is not pitiable, but enviable, a ministry that is not in vain, but fruitful. And He glorified Jesus as the source and goal of all of life and all of ministry. And He gave us everlasting joy that will not be ended by death. And He glorified Jesus as the author of life, the victor over death, and the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. We will rise also. Therefore, I urge you with all my heart this morning to lift up your heart and say with the choirs on earth and in heaven, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain and hath redeemed us to God by His blood to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we again thank you for just the, the glorious event known as the resurrection where uh, you spoke the word and Jesus bust forth from the grave conquering death. Uh, we give you praise and glory for that. We long for the day when we will be in your presence. So until then, Father, give us hearts that are joyful knowing what we have to look forward to because of what Jesus did not only on the cross but in the resurrection. Father, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for this timely message, which was just delivered this morning online from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can watch their services online live on Facebook each Sunday morning at 11 a.m. You can follow them on Facebook. Just look up First Baptist Church Crawfordville on Facebook. And you can visit their website for more information, CrawfordvilleFBC.com. And thank you for joining us today for this timely word from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville.